Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The last couple of weeks, we have talked about fear. And why not? We all experience it. Not only that, but almost all of Scripture, almost every bit of it, was written either by or for people who were afraid, distressed, in turmoil, in pain, or in disbelief. This is why our Holy Scriptures are so wonderful. They do not gloss over the hard things, but realize that they are reality. They are real. It's part of our fallen and broken world. Now, we may not experience the same temptations, trials, fears, and failures of those in each book of the Bible, but the fact that they, the people who received a mention, like King David, Jeremiah, Abraham, Noah, those and others whose lives are chronicled, whose mishaps have been studied and scrutinized for millennia. (laughs) How would you like to be one of those guys? Well, it shows us that our God understands that we suffer. It's not lost on Him. As we heard last week, when Jesus was asleep in the boat in the midst of a storm, that He rests there. He rests because it isn't a surprise to him. He is in control. We are the ones who do not know how everything will play out. We are the ones who do not have the power to change every trouble that we encounter in life. And that causes us fear. And that causes us distress. I think we are in some ways jealous of God. We want what He's got. We want to control our own destinies. We want to chart our own course. We want to say what is good and right for me. After all, don't we know more than anyone else what is good for me? Maybe even more than God knows what is good for me. My happiness is the most important thing. Therefore, I can and will do what makes me happy. Isn't that what God wants for me? To be happy? I hear that all over the place. The true answer is no. God does not want you to just be happy, He wants you to be fulfilled, He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be safe. He wants you to be His. Yet our happiness, our happiness has become our idol. And we worship it at all costs. So, and I say this with love, suffer. Endure pain. Receive hardship. And thereby sacrifice the idol of happiness. Jeremiah, who wrote Lamentations, where our Old Testament reading is this morning, was not a stranger to suffering. 
He's often referred to as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah was given the task of preaching repentance to a people who would not listen. He prophesied their demise. And as any God-fearing pastor would do, he weeped for their destruction. Seeing Jeremiah as the weeping prophet is certainly proper. Because he is not unlike us. We too suffer. But unfortunately, we cannot completely, entirely, wholly relate to Jeremiah. He suffered for the sake of God and the love of God's people. I'm not sure we really suffer all that much for being a Christian. At least not in such a harsh and bitter way. This is certainly a blessing. But unfortunately, our, our, what we consider suffering is often more selfish. In our culture, it seems that everyone is a victim. This is another one of our idols. Oh, woe is me. I'm so oppressed. My internet is down. I can't log into my social media. How can I post on Facebook? My TV show was canceled. Yes, I'm being a little bit silly, but... A lot of what we consider suffering is just as petty. Things just as petty as those things cause us great distress and can even, unfortunately, put us into a crisis of faith. So when real crises come up, when real suffering and persecution arise, like being on, caught in the, on the sea in a great storm, and you fear you're going to drown and be destroyed. Or armies are marching against you. How then will your faith hold up? If such petty things cause us a spiritual crisis. Yes, most of our suffering is personal and also often very petty. But when God's people are persecuted, we suffer together. At least we should. But even there, when, as is truly happening in our world right now, our brothers and sisters are persecuted, beheaded, raped, tortured, imprisoned, enslaved, we do not weep or cry out to our God for them. No, we simply shrug and go right back to our own pitiful sufferings. Where's the waitress? They didn't get my order right. My steak is too cold. But Jeremiah. Jeremiah wept for God's people and their coming exile and destruction. A foreshadowing of Jesus' own shedding of tears for Jerusalem and her people. And we see it today as Jesus shares the burdens of those around him. Those who crowded him those who cried out to Him, those who sought out His help. Did He pass them by? Did He shrug them off? Or did He turn to them and heal them? Yes, I suppose Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. 
you know, as far as I know, God never calls him that. God never calls him the weeping prophet. God has another name for Jeremiah. A name that you've probably never heard him called or you've probably never even called him. Instead of seeing him as we do, as the weeping, mourning, lamenting, languishing prophet, God calls him the fortified prophet. Kind of. Here's what God says, Jeremiah 1.18. And I, behold, I make you, Jeremiah, this day a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls, against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. God calls Jeremiah a fortified city. Jeremiah stood alone, just as we often feel, alone in the hospital waiting room, waiting for a positive word. At the bedside of a loved one whose voyage through this earthly life is coming to an end. When friends or family have turned against you. When you see the travesties of a corrupt and broken world. When you fear the Russians or the Chinese, the Germans or illegal aliens, the Democrats or the Republicans, the liberals or the conservatives. Or hopefully, hopefully, when you see the disdain for God and His love by even His own people. Instead of being a victim, get to know the victor. Weep. Yes, weep. There's nothing wrong with weeping. There's nothing wrong with lamenting. There's nothing wrong with repenting and crying out. In fact, we should do these things. We should have the humility to bring our troubles to God. We should be meek enough to seek out God on behalf of our hurting brothers and sisters. Those throughout the world and those in this place. This is loving God and loving our neighbor. Today, as always, we only get to hear a part of Jeremiah's words. In fact, this is the only time we hear from the book of Lamentations in our entire lectionary. So knowing all that is happening in the book of Jeremiah is hard. But just so you know, Jeremiah had been lamenting, crying out to God. And well, he was saying exactly how he felt, exactly all the things that were coming at him. He called God a bear or a lion, lying in wait to devour him. He said that God was shooting an entire quiver of arrows, sinking them into his kidneys. 
other words, Jeremiah was hurting. He was hurting bad. He was in great distress and anguish. And he obviously felt alone. But instead of crying out in disbelief, he was actually crying out in great belief and a resounding faith. Just a few verses before our reading this morning, he says, To God, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And then he sings pretty much the hymn we sing. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. Your love, your steadfast love. He says, and therefore I have hope. Where is Jeremiah's hope? What gives him hope? What causes this change in his outlook as he's been accusing God of coming after him, hunting him down? He comes within one word. Remember. It seems to twist everything for Jeremiah. He says, remember. He says, remember my affliction. Why is this important? Why does this change Jeremiah's perspective? Remember, because Jeremiah knows his God. He knows that his God sleeps because everything is under control. He knows that while things look bad, God is not far away. He knows that he has cried out to God. He knows that God has heard him. And he knows God will remember. And when God remembers, he acts. He doesn't just recall it in his mind as we say when we say, remember milk and eggs? He does something. It's a call to action. So Jeremiah goes almost immediately from the weeping prophet to again the fortified prophet. Fortified because he knows that a mighty fortress is our God. It's much easier to stand when you have the creator and the conqueror at your back. When a host of his angels stand at your side, you can do much. St. Paul explains in Philippians, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And then King David writes in Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And one of my favorite prayers in all of Scripture, it's actually from the book of Mark. I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. You see, it's okay to lament, to cry out to God and to say, my faith is faltering, my trust is trembling. Remember me. I believe. 
Help my unbelief. Remember me. Just as we saw him remember Jairus and his daughter. Just as we saw him, heard him, remember the woman with the issue of blood. Out of all the crowd, he remembered them. I believe. Help my unbelief. Because he will remember you. He will help you. He has, after all, sent to you Jesus. He has, after all, sent us his Holy Spirit. He has, after all, sent us his words and his sacraments, his means of grace. Will we? Do we? Have trouble in this world? Yes. Will that change? No. At least not yet. But we can look to people like Jeremiah, St. Paul, King David. We can cry and lament because when we do, We are seeking the face of our God. And He will hear us. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Amen. And now may the peace that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.